All right, so James uh, chapter 2, verse 14. So I just want to recap our series. If you haven't been here uh, or missed any, remember you can go to our, download our church app, website, Vimeo, YouTube, podcast, any one of those platforms. You can watch or listen to uh, any messages that you may have missed. Week one, we talked about turning triumph. Trouble into triumph, and I'm just going systematically through the book of James. All these titles and messages just came right, started book of James chapter 1 and going through. Week 2, we talked about how to handle temptation. Week 3, the title was, Are You Fooling Yourself? And that was based on James saying, if you hear the word of God, but you don't do what what it says, you're only fooling yourself. Or some translations say, you're only deceiving yourself. And then last week, we talked about how true faith shows no favoritism. And once again, he says, if you say you have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, but you show favoritism to people. And his example he uses, if rich people and poor people come into your meeting and you show favoritism, you give good seats to the rich and, and you tell the poor to sit down over there or just go stand up in the back or something, it's like you, you don't really have faith at all. And so James starts chapter 2 with talking about faith, and we're going to continue. He's gonna, as he, he continues to write his letter, we're going to look at what he wrote and continue in the vein of faith this morning. So James 2, 14, I'm going to read through verses 26. It says this, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Again, you see... Last week we looked at, he said, you say you have faith, but you do something opposite. Again, he's saying, now what good is it if you say you have faith, but you don't follow it up with your actions? What kind of faith, or can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But when you don't give that person, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe there's only one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be made right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, when we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, or some translations say without a spirit, so also faith is dead without good works. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that is awesome, powerful, living, and true. Lord, we know that faith actually comes by hearing and hearing of your word. So I pray today for those that are struggling in their faith or maybe don't have any faith, that as I preach your word, they would be stirred, Lord, as we look at what James is talking about, what you're saying, Lord, through your word, through the book of James, and you would help us in whatever level of faith that we're in. Holy Spirit, help me as I preach your word and help us all as we receive it. Give us the grace to apply it to our life. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody say it. Amen. Amen. See, faith is the key doctrine in the Bible. That's why, again, James starts out chapter 2 and actually continues on all of chapter 2 talking about faith. See, the Bible says that the sinner is saved by faith in Ephesians 2. Then the believer must walk by faith 
in 2 Corinthians 5. And then it, it also says in Hebrews 11 that it is impossible to please God without faith. Someone said it this way, faith is not believing in spite of evidence, but actually obeying in spite of consequence. Let me explain. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, you will meet men and women who acted on God's word regardless of the price they had to pay. I want to stop here and say, if you've never read Hebrews 11, I want to encourage you to read it maybe tonight or tomorrow morning when you get up. I've been encouraging you to read through the book of James as I'm preaching through this book, but also read Hebrews chapter 11. It's known as the hall of faith. Instead of the hall of fame, there's many people that, that uh, the Bible lists who had incredible faith, but they did. They, they, they had to go through trials and, and all these hardships because they were obedient to God through faith. So I want you to encourage you to do that. I'm going to reference Hebrews 11 a couple of times. Hebrews 11 a couple of times today. See, faith is not some kind of feeling that we work up. Let me pause and say it again. Faith is not a feeling. If you get anything today, remember that faith is not a feeling, right? Faith is confidence in God's word that it's true and conviction that acting on his word will bring blessing. Remember, it goes back. This is, this is the whole theme. James is staying with the theme here. Just knowing it is, is no good. You have to do it, right? Faith is not a feeling. You have to act on it, right? That's why they say the book of James is actually one of the most practical books in the Bible. He talks about faith, but it's, he's showing you how to live out both the word and faith. And we're going to see that. Pastor Kelly is going to talk about the tongue next week. So in this paragraph, James discussed the connection between faith and our actions, which are called good deeds or works. A faith relationship with God cannot be based merely on believing a true statement. Saving faith results in actions which emulate God. So you see, faith and good deeds are inseparable. And that's what James was trying to say. You can't say one has works and one has faith. They are inseparable. Have you noticed this is the third section in a row where James is telling us we must be moved to action, as I just mentioned? So now in this section, he's telling us that true and genuine faith will motivate us to do good deeds or, or good works towards others. James explains here that there's three different kinds of faith, but only one of them are genuine and true. So we're going to look at those three this morning. Number one, first, there's useless faith. Useless faith what does, does no one good. It doesn't do anyone Good. Say it that way. Yeah. My wife's like, oh, I think you got it that time. I'm not sure. James 2.17. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. James 2.20. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? See, people with dead faith or useless faith substitute words for deeds. They know the maybe correct vocabulary for prayer and testimony, and even can quote the right verses from the Bible, but their walk does not line up with their talk. They think that their words are as good as their actions, but they are wrong. See, James gives us two illustrations here, or gives us a illustration of the poor man, just like he did say the rich and the poor man came in last week uh, when we talked about it, and he said, don't show him favoritism. This time there's a poor person, he says, what if he comes in your meeting and don't have the right amount of clothing or food, and you just say, hey, you know, you kind of wish him well and don't do anything, just give him a few pious words. Look how James 2.16 says in another translation, and you say to them, God be with you, I hope you stay warm and get plenty to eat. In other words, hey, God bless you, I hope it works out for you. And you send them on your way. He's saying that's not faith at all. You see, in the first century, first century Palestine and in the Roman world back then, whenever James was writing this, there were many poverty-stricken people that lacked the bare necessities of life. 
And so this person with useless faith in the story that James talks about presumed that God would provide the needs of the poor person. He thought that he only needed to express his faith with words to make it happen. But without his particular action, it was only an empty wish. As a matter of fact, James 2.16 in NIV says, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? He's saying, just telling them that. Now, look, God could have provided for him, but James is saying, if you see somebody in need and you're able to help them, faith is not just, hey, God bless you, God's going to take care of it. That's just wishing. You're just wishing a well-wishing somebody instead of putting your faith into action. See, as Believer's Church, we have an obligation to help meet the needs of people no matter who they are. And that goes ties back into last week, right? Last week is not showing favoritism by who they are, what they look like, their skin color, their social or economic status. We are to treat everyone the same. And James is saying we should help everyone in need no matter who they are. Galatians 6.10 says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to, to who? Everyone, right? To everyone. Then he does say, especially those in the family of faith. So yes, you need to take care of the believers. But he said, when we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Now listen, I know it's not as bad as it was back then in the first century when this was being written. And, and, and most people have the bare necessities, but there's still a lot of opportunities to help people, right? Still a lot of opportunities every day we can help meet the needs of people around us. And when we help these people, it's an expression of love. Look what Galatians 5, 6 says. What is important is faith, watch this, expressing itself in love. You see that? The expression of faith is showing love to people by helping them. See, again, let's go back to the parable of the Good Samaritan. There was a priest and the Levite in Luke 10, and each had religious training, but neither one of them paused long enough to assist the dying man on the side of the road. Each of them could defend their faith, but neither one of them demonstrated their faith by showing love, by helping this person, right? You see that? They said they had it. They could defend the law upside down, right side up, and backwards and forward. But Jesus was using an example. That's not the kind of faith. That's not just because you know the word. Again, if you don't do it, you're not actually living out your faith. Amen? See, a person with dead faith or youthless faith only has an intellectual experience. In their mind, they know the doctrines of salvation. They know the right words to say, but they don't back up those words with actions. See, faith in Christ brings life, and where there is life, there must be fruit and growth, right? Three times in this paragraph, James warns us that faith without works is dead or useless. So I'm going to encourage you today, church, beware of maybe just having an intellectual faith. If you do, it may be a useless faith. No one can come to Christ by faith and remain the same, just like no one can come in contact with a 220-volt wire and stay the same, Right? You grab a hold of 220 votes, I promise you something's going to change in you. Your posture, your words, everything, right? Your heart, your blood pressure, all of that. It's the same way when we come to Christ, something should change. We receive new life and then we reveal this life to others. So I want to encourage you and give you some application of how we can do this. Obviously, you can do this every single day of your life. But the first week in August, we're going to be dedicating the first week in August to serving people with needs throughout our community. Over the years, we've we've done serve day. It was one day in July. But we're actually going to extend it 
all week, the first week in August. So we're going to kick it off July 31st. I'm actually going to preach a message on serving. That's going to be our rally. If you've ever come to serve, serve day. How many of y'all ever came to serve day? Let me see your hand. So you remember we'd meet here and have a rally, right? Have a song, a little encouragement, some donuts and stuff. Well, we're going to do that on Sunday morning. That way, literally that afternoon, you can leave here and go start helping. We're going to have projects lined up. We're going to open up registration on the 12th, I think, right? In a couple of weeks, we're going to open that up. So we're doing that one because it's just so stinking hot in South Louisiana, right? And you may say, man, I'd rather go in the evening or first thing Saturday morning, or it gives you more opportunities. You may say, man, I'm busy on that one Saturday, but I could go on a Tuesday night or the Thursday night after I get off of work. We still got sunlight to about eight o'clock, right? So all that week, we're going to be trying to put our faith into action. Amen. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Be on the lookout. We're going to open up where you'll be able to see, I say registration. It's not really registration. We're going to open up the project we have for you to jump on and to help you do that. And listen, as the Bible says, when you have the opportunity, do well to all those, anyone around you. Every year we do serve day. It's people we've, some of them we've never met before and we might never meet them again. They don't have to be a part of this church. They don't have to believe like us, look like us, or have or don't have what we have. It's okay. We just want to go out and put our, our, our faith into action and bless the community in need around us. Amen? And of course, in doing that, we hope we share the love of Jesus and plant some seeds and help people around us. Amen? I don't know about you. I don't want to have useless faith. Amen? Number two, the second thing we see is there's foolish faith. Foolish faith. James 2, 18 and 20. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You may say you have faith, for you believe there's only one God. Good for you. Could you hear the sarcasm in James's voice? Like, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. This is where I got this point. How foolish, he said. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? I read one commentator called it demonic faith. I'm going to call it foolish faith because it is. We're, again, because it goes along with what James was saying. We're fooling ourselves if we say we have faith, yet we're not putting it into action. See, James wanted to shock his complacent readers, so he used demons as his illustration. But it's true. Some people may be shocked to know that demons do have faith, Right? They do. They believe, right? So what is what do demons believe? One thing, they believe the existence of God. There's no such thing as a, an atheist or a, agnostic demon. They know and believe that God is real. More importantly, Scripture shows us that they actually believe in the deity of Christ. See, some people say, I believe in God. But when you tell them, yeah, you know what, Jesus is God. He's the son of God. It's like, oh, no, I don't believe in that, brother. You know, they have, you know, he's a good teacher and all that. Did you know the very forces of evil that are against Jesus knows Jesus is the son of God? Look what Mark 3, 11 and 12 says. And whenever those possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, him being Jesus, the spirits would throw them to the ground in front of him, shrieking, you are the son of God. But Jesus sternly warned the spirits not to reveal who he was. Isn't that powerful? Even the demons themselves. And that's why James says that. Good for you. You believe God is, you know, is, is one. Even the demons believe that. That don't do you no good, right? You're on the same level as demons just knowing that, right? We got we to gotta take it further than that. The person with useless faith, useless faith is only an intellectual faith, if I said. But the person with foolish faith can be touched in their emotions as well. Because James says they believed and they trembled. They could, they, they could, you could be moved even to the experience of faith. A person can be enlightened in their mind and even stirred in their heart, but still not have true faith. You know, I was reminded about that of the, the intellectual and saying, 
I believe in God. I actually had a conversation with someone uh, uh, this week at a local business here in town. Uh, I went in and uh, I had a family, my, one of my family life polos on. And uh, this person said, are, are, are you a teacher at that church? And I said, well, I'm, I'm the pastor of the church. Like, oh, you're the pastor? Okay, good. And she was smiling and everything. And I said, well, uh, do you go to church anywhere? And she said, well, I believe in God, but I don't believe in church. And I said, really? Because God believes in church. I said, it's in his Bible and he commands us to go to church. And she's like, yeah. She said, you know, they got some pastors that lie, right? I said, yeah, they do have some pastors that lie, but not all of them lie. And I'm not one of them, by the way. And, uh, and so I just said, she kind of chuckled and gets, so I invited her. So I said, you need to come check us out. Come give us a chance. But it just reminded me that she said, I believe in God, but I don't believe in church. Listen, if God commands us to go to church, we should believe. But listen, even more importantly, what my point is, is that if you say you believe in God, you're going to want to be with God's people and you're going to take action to get there. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So I know you're here today. So it's kind of like preaching to the choir, right? I was encouraging the people watching online the first service. I was trying to encourage them to stop watching online and come to church, right? Because that's what the Bible says. It commands us to, to not neglect meeting together, which the Bible says has, some have gotten in the habit of doing. And let's just be honest, since COVID, some have gotten into that habit of not meeting together, and, and we need to do that. So it just reminds me, people throw that statement out all the time, I believe in God, right? Like this person followed up with, but I don't believe in church. I believe in God. Well, you know what? A lot of people believe in God generally, so do even the demons, right? But being a Christian involves trusting Christ and living for him. As I mentioned earlier, first you receive new life, but you got to reveal new life. That's what all what James is saying. If we truly got faith and have been saved, we're going to reveal it and we're going to live it out by how we act. The, the, the Greek word translated dead or useless in James 20 or 2.20 carries the meaning of barren or being idle. Like an illustration would be like money that has no interest. Your money's sitting there, but it's not, it's not, you're not getting any interest on it. I don't think anybody likes their money sitting somewhere with no interest getting gain, right? See, proclaim faith that is barren or idle is not true or genuine faith. Look what Ephesians 2.10 says. God has made us what we are, and in our union with Christ Jesus, he has created us for our life of what? Good deeds, which he has prepared for us to do. So you see, that's, again, I always tell you that, that our, the, the vision, our vision of Family Life Church comes from the Bible. And there it is. That's part of it. We want you to first know God and then live free. We believe the Lord will set you free and you live free. But then you find your purpose. You see, the scripture tells us we had a purpose that God prepared even before the foundations of the earth. We were created to, to know him. And when we come into Christ and we get our union with Christ, we now have the ability to find out our purpose. And ultimately, when we live out our faith with actions, with good deeds, we make a difference. Amen? Which is the last part of our vision. So James now has introduced us to two kinds of faith that are not genuine. Useless or dead faith, that's the intellectual one. And then foolish faith, that's the intellect and the emotions. Then he closes this section by describing the only kind of faith that is real and motivates us to action. The faith that we know we're really saved and motivates us to action. Number three is dynamic faith. It's a dynamic faith. Now, this word is actually not found in the scripture, but I use this word because I think it best describes what he's explaining here in the illustrations he used of two Old Testament people. See, dynamic faith is real, it's powerful, and it results in a changed life, again, that produces actions. James demonstrates this with Old Testament scriptures of genuine faith 
that finds expression in action. And he uses Abraham and Rahab again as illustrations. Let's go back to James 2, 21 and 26. It says, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messages and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. You see, faith is only as good as, is, as its object. Let me say it again. Faith is only as good as its object. My wife's trying to help me along with her faith. She's like, you can do it. You can do it. Right? Then I see Pastor Jacob kind of laughing. You know, all of us that preach, they're like, you know, well, some of them laugh at me. Some of them have compassion on me. I'm not going to say, you know, his his name, but his initials are Rob Miller. So I'm just saying. So, uh, no, but it's okay. I, I, I get it. So listen, faith is only as good as its object. So in other words, what does that mean? The person that bows down to an idol, a statue, and expects to receive anything is not going to get anything, right? Because they're placing their faith in an object instead of the true and living God, right? So it doesn't matter how much faith a person may generate if it's not directed to the right quote-unquote object, right? To the right person, to the right God, the one and only true God. It will accomplish nothing. Many sincere people say, I believe, like you know, like that, 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 that young lady said, I believe. But the question is, in whom do you believe? We are saved by faith. We're not saved by faith in faith. Let me say that. We're saved by faith in Christ as revealed in his word, right? We're saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in itself. I remember Mr. Eddie was here earlier, Eddie Voorhees. He's one of our head ushers, and his sons were here. They grew up here. They both have moved out of state now. And and uh, one of the sons, when they were here in our youth ministry and they were in college, he said, man, you know that the name of Jesus is really truly the only name under heaven. He said, because when you're sitting in a pub, in a university like UL, he said, you know, we could talk about God. People would say, they're talking about God in general. He said, but as soon as you mention the name of Jesus, the atmosphere changes. Either people get angry and hostile, or a few people may get excited. But he said, you know, you can mention all these other gods, but when you say Jesus, something shifts in that room. And that shows you right there, right, the power of the name of Jesus. And we're saved by him and him alone, our faith has to be in him, not in faith. Some people pride themselves on how much faith they have. Well, that's great, but it has to do with who you have faith in. See, dynamic faith is based on God's word. Dead faith is only intellectual. Foolish faith involves both the mind and emotions, but dynamic faith involves our will. That's why we always encourage you to surrender your will to the Lord. The whole person plays a part in this truth. The mind understands the truth, the heart desires the truth, and the surrendered will acts upon the truth that your faith requires. The men and women of faith, again, found in Hebrews 11, I encourage you to read that, were people of action. God spoke and they obeyed. Again, that's why I say faith is not believing in spite of evidence. Faith is obeying in spite of consequence. Sometimes God tells us to do something by faith, and there may be some tough consequences or some repercussions because of that, right? Again, like you speak up the name of Jesus in a secular university, and most of the time you're going to get your head taken off. Not physically. Well, it may be coming to that one day, but definitely verbally. You know, people just oust you 
But, you know, it, whatever it may be, you take a stand of your convictions with your friends and different people. And you know what? Sometimes, though, uh, it, every time it's going to be worth it. See, dynamic faith leads to action and obedience. This obedience is not an isolated event. It continues throughout our whole life and then leads to good works, right? So you see how he's combining? He's saying you can't just hear the word, you have to obey it. Well, same thing. If we have faith, we're going to obey going back to what the word says. It's so interesting that James uses Abraham and Rahab as the illustrations here about faith and works. They, you could not have found two more different people in the Old Testament. Abraham was a Jew. Rahab was a Gentile. Abraham was a godly man. Rahab was a prostitute. Abraham was the friend of God and Rahab belonged to the enemies of God. But what did they have in common? They both exercised dynamic faith. And that's what James tells us. A little history on Abraham. Abraham was called out of Ur of the Chaldees to lead uh, him. God led him into Canaan to make him the great nation of Israel. From Abraham came the great nation of Israel. You remember if you read that there in Genesis 15, he said, look at the stars, Abraham, and this is going to be with your descendants, how many your descendants are. It was through Israel that God brought the Savior into the world. And again, you can read about Abraham's salvation or conversion experience in Genesis 15. See, James is quoting Genesis 15 when he wrote, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The word counted here is a legal or financial term and it means to put into one's account. So spiritually speaking, Abraham's spiritual account was empty. He was, he was worshiping pagan God whenever God appeared to him. He was bankrupt, but he trusted God, and God put righteousness on Abraham's account. Abraham did not work for his righteousness. He received it as a gift from God. He was declared righteous by faith, and he was justified by faith. So before I go any further, before we leave here today, I don't want you to get it confused. Our faith should stir us to actions and good works, but we could never be saved by our works. We're not saved by works. We're saved by faith through grace. And through the process, or through the event called justification, we were justified. That word means it's when you get saved, when you repent of your sins, it's just as though you have never sinned. And justification is an important doctrine of the Bible too. Justification is an act of God where he declares the believing sinner righteous on the base of Christ's finished work on the cross. His work, not ours, right? And it's not a process. This is a one-time act. It's something the sinner does does not do, I'm sorry. It's not something the sinner does. It's something God does for us when we trust in Christ. It's a once and for all event and it never changes. That's justification. In that moment when Abraham believed, he was justified. It was justification. Same with you. Now, sanctification begins right after that. That's a lifelong process of us becoming more and more like Christ till we get to heaven and then we'll be glorified, which is called glorification. James used another event in Abraham's life after this that took place many years after his conversion. This event is when he offered up his only son, Isaac. you got to remember, he waited many, many years, almost 100 years old before he had his son. And then God tells him to offer him on the idol in Genesis 22. But you see, he was obedient and, and God intervened. He didn't have to sacrifice his son. Abraham was not saved by obeying God's difficult command. His obedience proved that he was already saved. Let me say that again. Our obedience should prove that we're already saved. We're not saved because of our obedience. Our obedience proves that we have trusted in Christ. James 2.22, you see that his faith, his being Abraham's, and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. 
There's a perfect relationship between faith and works. As someone said, I love this, Abraham was not saved by faith plus works, but by faith that works. Put your name in there. You're not saved by faith plus works. You're saved by faith that works, right? When we get saved, our faith should work after that. We should put our work, our faith into work, right? And should prove by the way you live. The Bible even says that. Prove by the way you live that you've been saved, that you receive salvation, right? And so that's what James is saying here. Dynamic faith obeys God and proves it in our daily life through good works towards others. James closes out this paragraph by using another illustration, again, of Rahab. And her story, if you want to read about it, is found Joshua chapters 2 and 6. Israel was about to invade their promised land and take the city of Jericho. Joshua sent out two spies into the city to get the lay of the land, so to speak. And that's where they meet Rahab, who protected them and affirmed that she believed in what God had said and what God was going to do. And when the men left, they promised to save her and her family when the city was taken. And that's exactly what they did. They came back, destroyed uh, the city of Jericho. But because her declaration of faith and her belief that God was the of Israel was the one and true God, they saved her. There's a great picture in there, too, if you read that. There's a great um, type. Remember, a typos, a type of Christ in there because they said, hey, we'll know where you live if you hang a scarlet rope out of your window. And that's a type and a picture of the blood of Jesus. That were saved by the blood of Jesus. Again, her faith showed that she already believed in Christ and she was saved because of it. Again, not her works, but her faith. See, Rahab could have had a dead faith, a mere intellectual experience, or she could have had a foolish faith with both her mind enlightened and her emotions stirred, but she exercised dynamic faith. She proved her faith by her actions. Amen. Now, as I'm encouraging y'all today, as I, as I wrap up this message and I'm encouraging you to continue and maybe because you're in here today and, and, and maybe you've, you've never saw it this way. You've never, you thought, man, I have faith. I believe, but you're not putting your faith to action. For the most part, I know a lot of y'all in this church and I told the first service that as well. You're doing that. Sometimes you do it with your words, your action, your feet, your hands. And I know for some of you, you do it with your finances because once a month we pick up a missions offering, right? Like next Sunday, Pastor Kelly's going to pick one up. Uh, and so, but in the fall, every month we do that, and we tell you, and we love to be able to follow up. In the fall of last year, we picked up an offering for Brother Adam, who uh, is a pastor and a leader. He's a pastor of pastors in Honduras. He's 90 or 91 years old now, and he was still walking to multiple churches in the mountains of Honduras. And so he was trying to get a truck. So we picked up an offering, which you gave, and out of our missions account, we send $10,000 and check this out. Brand new truck, Brother Adon has. Come on, somebody. Continue to scroll through him, Doug. Look at that. 90 years old. He's still doing the work of the ministry. Got him a little truck now. Man, how, much, how many of y'all know? I know that little truck probably got AC, too. Not only do he have to walk, he can be in a nice truck rolling around. And you put your faith into action by making this possible. Amen? We gave towards that truck. So, yes, praise God. And I'd just like to show y'all when y'all give, you know, where this money goes to. So Miss Charlotte sent me that this morning. I was a blessing. I wasn't even planning on showing it. And when she sent it this morning, got to see that and just, hey, that's faith in action right there, right? You got to take action to take your wallet out and, 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 or, you know, give online or whatever you do. But you see it's fruitful, right? It's making a difference in the kingdom of God. 90 years old, still doing the work. That, that brother didn't have retirement in his vocabulary. I promise you. Amen. That's awesome. So just want to encourage you, if you're doing it, Keep doing it. Keep putting your faith in action. Keep 
working for the Lord. Keep doing good deeds, right? To others. James 2 emphasizes that the mature Christian, if you, if you first time here, remember the theme I, I set out the, I laid a foundation in week one. The whole theme of the whole book of James, which is a letter to the church, is spiritual maturity. So he emphasized that the mature uh, Christian proves their faith by their actions. They don't just hold it and recite ancient doctrines. We need to know doctrine, but they practice those doctrines in their everyday life by what they do. They go to work for God and through his love and power help change lives around them. Amen. They make a difference, in other words, by putting their faith into action. So as we close it up today, I'm going to ask you a question. What kind of faith do you have? Do you have useless faith? Do you have foolish faith or do you have a dynamic faith? One more question. Do you have faith at all? You may be in here today and say, Brandon, I don't know if I even have faith at all or in God. Or I thought I had faith in a general God. But as we're talking about Jesus being the only way to God, Jesus is the son of God. He's the only way to have a right relationship with God. Our first part of our vision is for you to know God. The only way you're going to know God in a personal way is through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus himself made it clear, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, comes to God, gets to heaven except through me. Don't let the world lie to you that there's many pathways to, to, to heaven. Jesus makes it clear it's only through him, right? Look at what Romans 3.22 says. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Just like it doesn't matter who a person is, and we shouldn't show favoritism or we shouldn't help them. It doesn't matter who you are. You may say, Brandon, but you don't know what I've done in my past, or you don't know what I'm currently doing. It doesn't matter. I don't know. You don't know everything I did in my life. And trust me, if you did, you wouldn't think I end up on the stage today. It doesn't matter who you are. When you place your faith in Christ, when you repent of your sins and come to him, the Bible says that you'll be made right with him. He'll forgive you and you'll be saved. But why do we need to get right with God? I just mentioned it, but Romans goes on to tell us. The Apostle Paul in verse 23 says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, come on, we didn't deserve it, but he was so kind. He declares us righteous, those of us that are saved. Righteous means we're in right standing with God. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Are you right with God today? You know, you say, man, you know, Brandon, I, you know, I'm not as bad as the next person. You know, this guy, I know this person, I know. And you're right, you're probably not. But compared to God, the Bible says, according to his standard, we all fall short. Because his standard is perfection. But in his undeserved kindness towards us, he knew we'd never reach that perfection, so he made a way. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, as the Bible says, to die in our place, to take the penalty for sin. What's the penalty? Well, Romans also tells us in another place, the wages or the penalty of sin is death. And that word death means an eternal death because the next verse says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, through putting our faith in Christ Jesus. Would you bow your head, close your eyes with me? We do this just out of, out of respect for those around you. Plus, I just don't want you to be distracted. I just want you to just focus on where you're at. What kind of faith do you have? Useless, foolish, dynamic, or maybe no faith at all? So right now, where are you at? If You know, again, y'all, we just pray for Jade and his family. Right here, 
Miss Erica, 37 years old, we did a funeral for her. She's, she slipped off into eternity. We know she had faith. She was connected. She was serving. She loved the Lord. Her, her, her kids told me a story in Jade about how she would, even when she wouldn't come to church, she'd watch me or other pastors, you know, and take notes and was praising the Lord and praying for people. We know where Erica's at, according to her faith. If that was your funeral here, 37 years old, that's younger than me. Where would you be at in eternity? The Bible makes it clear. We're all going to spend eternity somewhere in either heaven or hell. God made a way that we can all spend eternity with him in heaven. With every head bowed, every eye closed, please, nobody looking around. If you say, Brandon, if I breathe my last today and I slipped off into eternity, I don't know where I would spend my eternity, but I want to be sure today. I want to know. I want to get right with God. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Say, man, I'm, I'm ready to turn my life over to Jesus. If that's you, I see your hand, man. Amen. Anybody else? Over here to my left. Hand still going up. Praise God. Anyone else? Over here to my right. Or you say, man, one time I had strong faith, but my faith has been rocked and I turned my back on the Lord. I need to resurrender my life to Christ. If that's you, you can raise your hand. Join these right here today. Sir, I see your hand. Different hands going up. Amen. Young lady, I see your hand. Praise God. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Over here to my right, I see you. Amen. More importantly, God sees you. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, that same word we've been talking about, that word believe actually means to trust. It's having faith, but to believe is to trust God. If you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we're all going to pray together. Those of you with your hands raised and the rest of us as the family of God, let's pray this together. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for taking the penalty for my sins. I know that I've sinned, Lord, and I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. I repent and I turn to you today. I surrender my life to you and I make you my Lord and Savior. I give you the grace and the strength to live out my faith with my actions all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said... Amen and amen. Come on, let's, let's, let's celebrate with these this morning. We celebrate, we rejoice with you today. Those of you that raised your hand for the first time or first time in a long time, prayed that prayer. There's a card in the chair in front of you. It's called a connection card. Fill that out. Bring it to the info center. We've got a Bible for you. The rest of us, let's stand up. Before you leave, can we all pray together along these lines? Some of you say, man, I realize maybe I, my faith has been pretty useless right now. I haven't been doing much. I want to, I, I want to, maybe a foolish, I say I believe, but I haven't been doing much with it. When I brought out, when James brings out the story of demons, say, man, I don't want to just have a base faith, a foolish faith that lines up with demons. I, you know, I want to have a dynamic faith that goes out and makes a difference. How many of that's you say, man, I want to have a dynamic faith. Let me see your hands. I want to pray with you. Come on, I got my hands up. I want to be more of, 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 of useful of the Lord to have dynamic faith in my actions. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for all these here today with their hands raised. That, Lord God, desire to put feet to their faith, Lord God. I know, Lord, I desire to be more useful in all that I do, what I say, Lord God, how I act. To people around us, Lord, you said to, to make the most of every opportunity that when we have the opportunity to do good. Even today, Lord, as they go to lunch, tonight, tomorrow, at work, even on vacation this summer, Lord, help us to meet the needs of people around us. Serve week, Lord, that we look for opportunities to bless those and so our faith will be true and dynamic 
And Lord, would make a difference in those around us. I thank you, Father, for these today. Empower them as they go to live out their faith today. In Jesus' wonderful, mighty, and matchless name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Well, God bless you. We love you. Hey, pick up a, a copy of Nathan's uh, uh, song, Beautiful, on your way out to the right. We look forward to seeing you soon. Have a great day.